The reason that our country is in the mess that it is in today is not because of the Republicans, it's not because of the Democrats. Let me tell you this, it's because of lame Christians. There is a reproach that comes with being a follower of Christ. We in America have tried to reshape the whole church so that it's palatable and likable in the culture. A church that is accepted well with the culture is usually not accepted well with Christ. The church is a fortress, and a fortress is strength. A fortress is might. Not only a center of defense, but a place of strategic planning and offense. Our God does not expect us to wait for the darkness to enclose around us. He expects us to take up His banner and fight the darkness with His light. You want to know what the biggest problem with America is? The wolf is this country. Gave in. Gave in to public pressure. Gave in to political correctness. One of the greatest curses this country has ever had to deal with is political correctness. Preparing the Christian to shine the light against the darkness of this world. Welcome to Our Mighty Fortress Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Miller, and welcome to the show. We have a very fascinating subject to cover today, but first, please go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button on the podcast platform in which you listen to us upon. We have several social media platforms with all sorts of material that you can listen to and read. Check us out on our fan page when you type in at Our Mighty Fortress on Facebook. You can also take a look at our website, OurMightyFortress.com. There you can find all the articles and videos and even a link to our merch store where you can help support the work. And, of course, if you feel so motivated to donate to the work that we do here, feel free to do so through our website and the established PayPal link. If we've helped you in some way, I'd like to hear about it. You can go ahead and email at us at OurMightyFortress at gmail.com. By following and supporting the podcast, you let me know that you care about the subjects that we discuss. Today, I would like to talk about the next part of People Who Dance With Devils. <laughs> it's about the call to revisiting psychedelic drugs for medicinal use, and we're going to analyze people's experiences while under the influence of these substances. There's more talk today with social media, especially from big name influencers like Joe Rogan and others, where they'll give their experiences about being under psychedelics. I want to start with what happens during these people's journeys and the interaction between the physical and the spiritual world. I believe their stories and the results of their visions will start to clear up this cloud of ethics concerning the topic for Christians. There is a method to the madness, and there's a reason why there's an overwhelming call today to use psychedelics for these experiences. That reason will start to emerge as we move along in the podcast. For our last aspect, we're going to analyze what God thinks about this subject and how Christians should handle such. This is a very important issue to understand as the call to using these substances is growing more and more. It is not just simple drug use, but something deeper involving the interaction of devils and the coming time of the Antichrist. As I said before, there's a reason why this call to the spiritual world is taking place, and we have to be aware of the times approaching. We're also going to look at different passages in the Christian scriptures dealing with the art of witchcraft and the use of psychedelics. With that introduction, let's get right into this. 
Now, as we tried to explain in the first part of the podcast, the human brain is still so much of a mystery to science, though there are certain aspects that we can have a relative certainty due to the responses of the brain, but overall, it's still a mystery. The effects of psychedelics, mainly dimethyltryptamine or DMT, cause a mystery as to why people are able to see what they see in what seems to be different dimensions. Now, when we hear dimensions, if you're you know, not thinking about your former math project in school, you're thinking about science fiction movies and shifting dimensions. I assure you that dimensions to the universe are real and it's not just some Star Trek television show. What do I mean by dimensions? As, you know, when we think about that word, there's going to be a lot of confusion, so how is that actually defined? We're not talking about alternate realities. Rather, think of it as different facets within our own reality. The four known dimensions of our reality are the length, width, and depth of all objects to include time itself. Scientists theorize that there may be up to ten dimensions, but that's still kind of a mystery. This becomes very relevant in our study of DMT because it almost seems as though users are able to see into another dimension, a dimension where beings live. More on that later. Scientists in the early 1900s believed that the universe was three-dimensional until a man named Albert Einstein came along with the relativity of time. Now, I should note that biblical Judaism and Christianity understood this concept from the very beginning. The idea of the heaven of heavens where God lived, being outside the dimensional space of the universe, was understood long before Einstein. The dimensional view of the spirit beings while under DMT is not generally accepted in mainstream science yet. There are now many scientists noticing striking characteristics, but they're now taking and entertaining such ideas. There's still so much about our universe and reality that we just don't understand. Most of us have grown up in a secular and rationalistic culture. People have been trained to be materialists, even Christians. We have to fight against that from the cultural training around us. The first thing you do is just doubt anything spiritual. Well, you can't believe the Bible and the resurrection and the different things about Jesus Christ if you don't believe in the supernatural. So when the type when the conversation of angels and spirit beings comes up, don't roll your eyes. <laughs> People in the Western world have been trained to be materialists, and there's nothing but matter in this universe. There are many scientists that have been realizing that, that the world isn't quite as materialistic as, it first, as they first proclaimed. Now, that's pretty interesting. It's almost like they're coming around to the point, of, well, maybe there's something to what the Christians have been saying all this whole time. <laughs> in part one of this series... We looked at how DMT seemed to go after certain parts of the brain that allowed them to see these visions. It's not so much that people are seeing just landscapes, rather they're also speaking and communicating with very interesting looking beings. What makes this profound is that people who go under a DMT trip label their experience, that experience right there, in the top five of their entire life. That's next to a death of a family member, a birth of a child. I mean, it's up there. That's how powerful it is on the individual. 
Now remember that if DMT is smoked, which is the primary method, the trip only lasts for about 30 minutes. If it's ingested, it can last between four to six hours. People see profound things when they smoke DMT. And in, of course, it's not always consistent though. And there's another number of reasons for that. Sometimes it's, it's just not enough DMT to affect the brain. People from all over the world have been traveling down to the Amazon jungle and have been going through their spirit journey guided by a shaman. Peoples in the Amazon had figured out that a certain root slows the breakdown of DMT in the body with the ayahuasca plant. This, this is what allows the four to six hours of a person going through their DMT trip. The shamans call DMT the spirit molecule which does have some truth associated with it. Some shamans have people make their own ayahuasca as part of the ceremony, and some make make it this, themselves. And of course, some even give this nicotine tea as a pre-ritual. Some people have taken this journey and have drinking that nicotine tea and, and have died from it, from uh, nicotine poisoning, which is kind of ironic in a way. The shamanic ritual usually involves several days of ayahuasca use, with each stage being more and more intense. The first stage is the purging, and the subject is going to vomit and have diarrhea repetitively. This purge is supposed to get rid of bad spirits before the ayahuasca use. According to the shamans, a person must purge before they can go on their spiritual journeys. The subject when they take the ayahuasca, is catapulted, quite literally how they define it, into another dimension that is full of colors and things that move and have being unlike this physical world. It's very important to note that people who undertake this journey are often told that they're going to meet Mother Ayahuasca. Now, there are many shamans in the Amazon, and not everybody gets to meet this Mother Ayahuasca, but they do often meet other beings. It's pretty fascinating. The beings that the subject meet have been described differently, but sometimes with the same characteristics. They've been called DMT elves, little people, beings of light, and some people even call them aliens. <laughs> now keep this in mind that these people come from various parts of the world and they can either have religious upbringings or even a purely secular, uh, secular upbringing they see these beings together. I say that to lay the framework that it's not just something that has been seeded their whole life. Some people will just respond, well, if somebody just believes in God or believes in angels or believes in demons, that it's seeded in their brain and they're going to automatically envision those things. But that's not quite how, number one, the subconscious works, but number two, it doesn't explain why all these people coming from various parts of the world and various backgrounds and even religious upbringings or non-religious upbringings, yet they'll still see the same types of beings. That's literally impossible. It's almost like saying that you can dream the same exact dream uh, in a, some sort of random fashion, but yet have the same dream every single day. We're not talking about PTSD where there was something that happen in your life and you remember the imagery we're talking about something that you just make up yourself and you envision it and you think about it night after night after night you don't have control over your dreams so that argument doesn't make sense when it comes to these visions that these people have 
Many of these people who come to the Amazon come from all over the world just to find peace and understanding of self. They come for a new perspective on objective reality. When the default network of the brain takes a back seat, the person is no longer in control. They see things that are not even physically possible. These effects are so powerful that even the most secular of atheists have become more spiritual in their thinking where they think they know, well, there is no God and there is no spiritual world, but yet after they go on this ayahuasca trip and they meet these spirit beings, all of a sudden they just can't reconcile what they saw and it challenges what they think they believe. The practice of these rituals can be seen at different paces depending upon the shaman who is conducting it. Some shamans can have a relatively calm ritual where people are allowed to lay back on their mats while he is chanting, while other shamans have this ceremony that seems to be like a Pentecostal service <laughs> led by Benny Hinn or something. <laughs> Ironic, there's similar similarities there, by the way. <laughs> Subjects have this loss of time and self while they're under ayahuasca. They can feel this overwhelming sense of love and happiness and euphoria, acceptance and connectedness. They can also, on the flip side, have severe panic attacks, paranoia and unpleasantness. This has a lot to do with the beings that they speak to as well. Many people believe that, hey, they're just hallucinating. But one shaman said this. He said, quote, Hallucinations are not based in reality. They are nothing real and are not comparable. The visions that people have in ayahuasca ceremonies are. People see the same thing and are connected to the same spirit. Visions are based in reality. End quote. Now, this is a witch doctor. This is a witch conducting witchcraft as defined by the Bible. But he's right. And Christians can very well agree with what he's saying. These people really are meeting beings. Deny it all you want, but you just can't get so many different people to see the same beings. Now, what's pretty interesting is that these beings that people talk to seem to know the person's sins and faults. They're called to release ego as well. There are many people that report that these beings of light are self-transforming and they come and just throngs of them that just throng the people and they appear in this ever-shifting and geometric land. They're absolutely delighted to meet you and they just talk to you out of their minds. They supposedly have a language that you see and not hear. Now think about that. That's how it's commonly uh, described, that you don't they don't talk in the same way that we do in the physical world. They, uh, the language that they speak, you see it and you don't hear it. In fact, it's very common for people to report that they can smell colors. Think about that one. You can just sit on that for a minute. One man was trying to describe these beings and they call, he called them very gnome-like and they were dancing around him telling him all the terrible things he had done to others. After having a very similar experience, another person called these beings <laughs> jester demons, and he said that he had to surrender and agree with them. He stated that he had to just let it go, and, and when he did, he felt like a huge weight was left off his shoulders. There were certain areas in which there were more positive experiences with these DM, 
DMT beings took place. And there are other areas where there weren't so uh, so much a positive experience that took place. In some cases, it almost seems like the human was uh, like an invader to that being's land and they respond to him or her. Very interesting. In his book, Breaking Open the Head, Daniel Pinchbeck describes meeting negative autonomous entities that continued to haunt him for weeks after his trip with a DMT uh, molecular variant called DT, uh, DPT. Similar on some accounts of DMT entities, Pinchbeck said that the beings he encountered expressed disdain or pity for his presence as a mere human. There has been some others uh, that had a very similar experience where they show up and they see these beings and they have indif uh, indifference towards him and they'll say, okay, you've seen it, now leave. In the stories of what seem to be more positive experiences, the smaller beings that show up around individuals are not the ones in charge and they seem to be softening you up to meet the larger and seemingly more powerful being in charge. This chief being has been described in various ways, both in feminine and masculine terms, and that causes you to believe that they're actual different beings. Well, I tend to believe that they are different beings, and the fact that there's both feminine and masculine involved, that it brings up a very interesting theory that I'll have to talk about later when we do a podcast on angels. Pretty interesting. Now, a person who's under heavy DMT in North America would see a different powerful being than those say in South America. The common description though entails lesser beings bringing the subject to the chief being. I can't stress again how highly improbable, improbable that that is, that the same sort of experiences would happen by coincidence. One YouTuber with a channel called Shaman Oaks which has no relation to the idea of shamans that we previously talked about, but he had heard about the use of DMT and he wanted to see this world for himself. He chose a DMT consumption through smoking it, uh, which as we previously said, only lasts between 15 and 30 minutes. What he records though is pretty thought provoking. He said that in his first two trips of using DMT, he met a feminine-like being that acted like a guide through what he called a divine realm. He was fascinated and enthralled with her, and he walked and talked with her and communicated uh, through this, this trip or this journey. But the third trip was different, and Oaks had this desire to talk with this being again, but instead saw this reddish smoke. This smoke seemingly got angry every time he asked to meet this previous being and the smoke spoke to him and said quote you aren't here to heal but only for an experience to make a youtube video end quote oaks started to be flooded with these intense visions of shapes and movement that was making him sick and uncomfortable he said okay i get it now i'm sorry please stop and the smoke uh, responded no you don't get it we are going to keep doing this to you until you get it. And Oaks made a mention that he thought at that moment, wait, who is we? Huh. That's very, very interesting. When messing with psychedelics, we should know that this is openly accepted and called witchcraft by all of these people. 
This is especially the case with people who use substances in the ceremonies. In fact, they have open-air markets in Peru and other places where you can buy all sorts of literal witchcraft items and substances. The open witchcraft allows for communication with the spirits. There was another documentary of actual ayahuasca ceremonies that had a shaman that was more intense, driving people into almost a frenzy during their trip. That's the one I call the Pentecostal experience. <laughs> like I said, it's really funny that you watch those two videos, or you can watch a video of this particular ceremony and watch some of these crazy Pentecostals, and you can see you know, very big similarities, but... That's another podcast. The shaman admitted that that the ceremonies can be very dark and demonic. As the people are in this grand circle on their DMT, the shaman made some pretty interesting statements. He said in the middle of them, he spoke, quote, Do you want an experience? Love yourself. Do you want to transform? Love yourself. Do you want to heal? Love yourself. Do it because you cannot for any reason. The moment you love yourself is the moment you will be healed, end quote. We will all tie this together, but I want to look at this group of people and what they said after it, their experience was done, because it's pretty curious. One lady said that she was purged of many beings. She said the devil, Lucifer, and a demon called Multichar. She said, I don't even know what that means or who that is, and when you watch her in her interview and she has this lost look on her face, like I don't even multi-char. What does that even mean? We can look at a name like Lucifer or the, you know, a devil or whatever. And we can see maybe something uh, as far as an influence that's fed from the Bible. And because, Hey, she's from a Western nation, right? But the name of the other demon called multi-char, where does she get that from? Who is that? She didn't even know who that was. Maybe, just maybe, the true name of the being in this ceremony came out into the open. That's very fascinating. There are very few angels that have their names known in scriptures, but it's very possible that these various fallen ones through history actually have their names revealed through the worship of man that could be called various different gods or whatever else. But maybe Multichar is one of the demonic one's names. I don't know. But a coincidence? I think not. Another lady proclaimed that when she met this chief being, she said that she got to meet God. Now, I would use God as a little G. But she said, quote, I was surprised and it was not like I expected God to be. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? It was very humbling and he said that he accepted me and told me that I, he had been with me through all my troubles. She goes on, all the times that I had not been loving myself, he had been loving me. He said I was the perfect daughter and that and every action I had taken was perfect. I had never done anything wrong. And he showed me how compassionate, non-judgmental, and how unconditionally loving he is and completely humble at the same time. I have been searching for this my entire life, end quote. In our final point of this podcast, I want to take a look at what the Christian scripture says about this subject. And there's, pretty, there's some pretty interesting stories that we're going to learn about the fallen ones. I It took a while to get to this point because 
I wanted to build a very strong foundation for these concepts that I'm going to bring. It's very important to listen to what these people have to say because they're not making it up. Let me give you a short breakdown of a particular biblical story. The Bible illustrates in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7 that there is a divine rebellion in heaven with Satan being the chief. He was one of the chief princes that convinced others to rebel against the creator God. They were all thrown out of the heaven of heavens to dwell in this universe. Now, it seems from the book of Job that they can come and go at certain times appointed by God. In Genesis chapter 3, though, we do see that the fall of man and the deception of Satan. Now, Satan, I, I assume the fallen ones are further cursed at this point. We don't know exactly in the divine realm of time in which Satan convinced other angels to fall. We don't know. We don't see these beings walking around everywhere. So you have to ask the question, well, where are they at? We see different manifestations in the Bible as the fallen ones pulling the strings behind the kings of the earth. We see that in Daniel chapter 10. We also see that there's some very interesting descriptions of these beings. Like, uh, for instance, you have the good angels like uh, Gabriel and Michael. And Michael is one of the chief princes. That's interesting. It didn't say he was the chief prince. He is one of the chief princes. Now, which this kind of leads you to believe that, number one, given the, the description of Satan in Ezekiel chapter 28, Satan was a chief prince at one time. So it almost makes you wonder, is it possible that there was another chief prince that might have fell with him? We don't know, but it is very curious in that wording that took place. But also you find that there are other types of leaders amongst the fallen ones that are the kings and princes uh, of the nations and, and that people bow down and worship. We also see what seem to be lesser beings called demons. These beings seem to always seek inhabitation, like in Mark chapter 5 in the New Testament. There's an interesting theory as to why these beings are what they are, but that's not really relevant to our podcast today. Earlier in the podcast, though, I did speak of dimensions and how DMT seemingly allows temporary access to a dimension in which these beings dwell. Now, the universe is more complex than we can even ever imagine. And even mainstream science is finally admitting this. The culture we live in is just too rationalistic. And even for Christians with a better understanding of the supernatural have come to be too rationalistic. Too many pastors will just laugh at you when you try to bring up and explain the spirit world and the demonic influences. We say we believe the Bible and stories like the resurrection and those other supernatural events like, you know, Jesus healing people. But oftentimes, even Christians can act like atheists. But with such a limited understanding of the universe, these same people will just write off what seems to be supernatural. Do these spiritual beings actually exist? I think they do. Can they shift between dimensions but dwell mainly in a different dimension other than our own? I think they do. Here we are today with the mainstream news, not that long ago, talking about an alien report that's being released by the United States government. 
supposedly that was just, you know, conspiracy theory before. Now the government's saying, hey, look, we actually have pictures of aliens. <laughs> That's kind of funny. The sighting of these various beings of light and, and those types of things where they can just seem to disappear at will. I would argue that they're not aliens like the movies, but are in fact fallen ones. They will make their grand appearance, though, later on in the book of Revelation, where we find out about that in the scriptures. Now, there are a few instances in which we would consider good angels to make certain appearances in the scriptures. One particular time was in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 6, verses 14 through 17, when the king of Syria came down to try to kill the prophet Elisha. They found him in the city of Dothan and surrounded the city with his army. Listen to, listen to this part of the story. Verse 14. Therefore he sent thither horses and chariots and by a great host they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God had risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And the servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. End quote. Now we have to consider that these angels could not be seen until God revealed it to the servant. Now, they were there the whole entire time. The beings were there, just not visible to the human eyes. This is what we call a dimension, and science has demonstrated this very much to be true. We can also conclude that there is very much a confrontation that takes place between the forces of light and God and the powers of darkness. The Apostle Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, which says, quote, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, end quote. One of the beings who spoke to a DMT user, said that he dwelled in a, a space outside of time. <laughs> wow. Look, we can try to be rationalistic, or, or we can start to see the patterns. Knowing historically that cultures all around the world have performed DMT ceremonies, you know, it's no wonder why God said in Second Chronicles chapter 33 and verse 6 that there were people who, quote, used witchcraft and dealt with familiar spirits and with wizards, end quote. The Almighty God of the universe said directly to Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 10 through 13, and said, quote, there shall not be a found among you any that maketh his son or daughter to pass through the fire or that useth, useth divination or an observer of times or an enchanter or a witch or a charmer or a consulter with familiar spirits or a wizard or a necromancer for all that do these things are an abomination of the Lord and because these abominations the Lord thy God both drive them out from before thee thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God so after that we can definitely say that the practice of witchcraft is specifically forbidden before God, and it's considered an abomination. Now, 
that's a very strong word, abomination, because not all sins are called abominations. There are very specific sins called abominations, like homosexuality. That's another one. It's very interesting to note that not everyone who do these things is inhabited with demons, but they do know how to talk to them. If talking and performing such witchcraft is forbidden before Almighty God, then what about those beings people talked to and what they said? There were some of those beings that seemed very frightening, but there are many that talked about love and peace and happiness. That one lady even said that she felt like she met God and he, because he had said all sorts of positive things. When we analyze what that being said to her about how she was perfect and never did anything wrong, we know that she was talking to a fallen one and not the real almighty God. There has to be truth mixed in with a lie if somebody is going to believe it. Nobody is perfect. There is none righteous before God. He says that over and over again in scriptures for one. Now, this is the, uh, the lie that Satan told in the Garden of Eden to deceive Eve. You know, not everything that he said was a lie. He said that you too can become like God, having the knowledge of good and evil. Well, that part was true. What he didn't say would be the baggage that came with it of disobeying God. This is what we see in the fallen one's response to the lady in our story. Sure, we're to love others, have less ego, less pride, but we are anything but perfect. If we were perfect, then Jesus Christ would not need to pay the price of the sin debt of humanity upon the cross of Calvary. The Apostle Paul said in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 3, quote, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, end quote. It does seem as though there was a sort of limited power that even the fallen ones could do and perform upon people, sometimes in the form of healing people's minds. Now, you can say, well, doesn't God want me to heal? I mean, what's wrong with trying to tap into that power? Sure, God wants you to be able to follow after him and you can be healed if it's, if it's his will, but he's given us the power to overcome our troubles through his word and through his wisdom but it has to be done his way and not through witchcraft. It's pretty fascinating to hear about former drug addicts coming out of ceremonies clean, as well as even war veterans who come in with PTSD and they leave with a clear heart and mind. The only piece of information that really just doesn't seem to make this thing a literal form of healing is that not all cases that go down there with that specific intention to be clean come back clean. So that sort of, but not totally quite so, eliminates the idea of the beings performing something supernatural. Now, it is technically possible that the fallen ones could have some sort of relative power to heal because they do have relative power to see the future as well as many, as well as many other things. We learn more about these types of beings when people are possessed. It could also be that the mind was indeed healed by the power of oneself when they meet what is deemed as a supernatural being. Now, the Holy Spirit gives man, when he becomes born again, the power to turn away from sin. But it doesn't force a person to turn away from sin. 
So a person who gets saved has the power of bondage broken to walk away from drugs and alcohol and even be cured of the mind. But there's a personal choice involved in it. Could be very much the same thing in dealing with these these spirit beings going through the DMT trip. Getting clean from any sin sure doesn't cure the overall sinful human nature before the Almighty God, though. That's a fact. As we said in the previous podcast, even the Department of Veteran Affairs is looking into actual controlled study of the DMT effects upon PTSD victims because they're starting to believe that, hey, this may have actual healing effects. What's interesting is that the other blatant lie that the fallen one told people is that they're to love themselves. This is the purest definition of pride that can be given. All sin has its root in pride. The problem with the world is not people loving themselves enough. In fact, it's like it's the direct opposite with people loving themselves too much. Crimes are committed and prisons are filled with people who love themselves too much. They love themselves so much they want to steal your stuff or take your life. That's another subject for another time, but just know that the fallen ones telling you to love yourself is the last thing that you need to be doing. We need to be humble before God and the almighty one true and living God says to mortify the flesh or the sinful desires. In Colossians chapter three, verses five through six, he says, quote, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, end quote. Love has to be attached to truth for it to be biblical love. God hates sin and therefore must judge the sinful person. To abstain from sin means you have to not love your flesh and its desires. This is quite the opposite from loving yourself. You know, another one of the major proponents of ayahuasca use is a person named Graham Hancock. And he speaks often about his meetings with Mother Ayahuasca in the Amazon. He says that she shows herself as a serpent, which is awfully ironic given the form of Satan in the Garden of Eden when he deceived Eve. And very much possibly that being a chairman, he could very much look like a serpent as he's uh, sort of described in the book of Revelation. Could Graham Hancock actually have spoke with Satan himself? I don't know. Kind of a coincidence though, right? Nah, I don't know about that. Former UFC fighter Rashad Evans retells his account of DMT use by meeting these two half-serpent, half-human beings and that they were just absolutely massive and they weren't very nice to him. That's <laughs> pretty funny. The big UFC guy, he meets these beings that are looking to beat him up. It's kind of funny. These accounts are meaningful when we match them along scriptures because there's some very striking comparisons. I do not believe that the call to the spiritual realm in this world is by coincidence. People are more and more being opened up to New Age religion, which has a center of self and the interaction of the demonic world. The book of Revelation also tells of a grand end of the story that's going to take place with the emergence of the Antichrist. Him emerging on the scene along with the false prophet and the powers granted by Satan are not going to be something new. 
people are going to expect it. I believe our world is being prepared globally for this time. How much time until the grand narrative plays out? Nobody knows. But we know that Christ will return the victor. This podcast has already gone long enough, and I'll have to wrap it up. There's much to be learned about this call with the media personalities for DMT use. There is a method to the madness playing out, and if one is a student of the Christian scriptures, you're going to see the grand story emerge. Christians, this should also build your faith as to what you believe. The spiritual war is real, and you're a part of it. You should also proclaim a warning to those who are dabbling in witchcraft. The chess pieces are all moving around the world, and we need to be about the Father's business, reaching those around us for Christ. The question is, will you do it? I want to thank you for listening, and be sure to follow us on the podcast media. Please take a look at our website, OurMightyFortress.com, and subscribe for more updates. Stay tuned next time for more great content, and remember to find your refuge and strength in Our Mighty Fortress.